there's a lot of different places seed can land, but not all yeah. of it's great for growing. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's what he's really trying to tell them in this parable, is it? Yeah, and, and he's talking into something that's very obvious to them. They're like... Right, because again, I, agriculture is yeah. one of the primary ways he shares parables because it was so ingrained, but umch in their society. <laughs> <laughs> Love the reference, the pun. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. We are here to help you strive towards greatness in your journey of faith and uh, have a lot of fun along the way. We want you to know what you believe and why you believe it, because that will ultimately make you a strong, powerful, not easily swayed by the culture person, but instead someone who is grounded in their faith, and in the truth of God's word. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. So good to be with you, everyone. I'm just really excited about this series. Uh, we're really digging into the parables over the course of uh, the next four months. And I think at the end of this, uh, particularly if you make a commitment to stick with it, you're going to really have a, a sense of the point and purpose of the kingdom of God and why you've been invited to be a part of it and how it impacts your life in a dramatic way. So go on this journey with us and the Salty Pastor to gain some unique historical, philosophical, cultural insights into the power of the parables of Jesus. And so we're going to do this together in order for you to grow your faith in Christ. We are in a study of the parables titled The Moral of the Story. And the study of the parables is actually a study of the kingdom of God. It's not yep. just a study of stories, but really it's getting to the heart of what the parables were about, which is the kingdom of God. Almost every parable starts with the phrase, the kingdom of God is like. And <laughs> yes. so you can tell what it's really about. The more you study the parables, the more you discover the nature in the essence of the kingdom of God. We started with the parable of the weeds because the parable describes how the kingdom of God works and then the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God co both coexist on earth at the same time. Yeah, right? and one of the things that parable illustrated for me and why I thought it was good to start there is because it basically answers the question, why does God allow evil to exist um, here on earth while his kingdom of God, um, while his kingdom on earth is growing. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's a number we discussed that during the application section yeah. of that's a number one argument against Christianity is like, well, if God was so powerful and God was so great, then why is he letting these things happen? Mm -hmm. And he addresses those things right there in right that there, parable. There, yeah, because right. he has a moral reason and the moral re reason is superior. And that is, is that it would uproot and injure the faith of all of those who are just discovering. So Anyway, uh, now we're doing, uh, last week we did mustard, real small ones, but the really powerful mustard seed, uh, leaven, hidden treasure, costly pearl. Those are all about value, you know? And so um, I thought those were really good ones talking about why it is so, you know, important to value the kingdom of God. So these parables really pointed out that value and why we should be seeking the kingdom of God yeah. with all of our heart, right? Mm -hmm. We should pour everything we have into living in the kingdom of God. So um, we, that's a quick recap of the five that we've covered so far in the last two weeks, Pastor. What are we? What do, which yeah. parable are we covering this week? Well, this week it's going to be the parable of the soils. We're still in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke 8. You know, they're kind of synoptics, meaning parallel passages, mm. talking about the same things with a little different flavor or different style due to the audience. You know, Luke was writing a chronological you know, layout 
of the history of Jesus to everybody. Matthew was particularly interested in speaking to Jewish people, his brothers and sisters, fellow Jews, and convincing them that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah in the Old Testament. So it starts there in chapter 13 and begins with verse 1, and this is the parable he tells. Now that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by a lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, and while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell among the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did, have, it did not have much soil. So it sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Now other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was actually sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I mean, that's kind of basically the synopsis. I mean, the farmer goes out to, to sow some seed. It falls on four different types of soil, and only one of the soils is good, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's basically what he puts out. And it seems that Jesus is telling these people that there's something fairly obvious here, which is there's a lot of different places seed can land but not all yeah. of it's great for growing but <laughs> yeah. i don't think that's what he's really trying to tell them in this parable is it yeah and, and he's talking into something that's very obvious to them they're like because right. again I, agriculture is yeah. one of the primary ways he shares parables because it was so ingrained but in their society <laughs> love the reference the pun now the the interesting thing purely obvious and they're like sitting there going well uh we have no idea what he's talking about because this is obvious. This is why Matthew records the disciples asking Jesus a simple questions and why do you tell stories? And then in the next few verses, Jesus explains this. He goes, the, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in parables? And he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see me. They have seen me and your ears because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, but they didn't have the opportunity to hear it. So Matthew includes the teaching of Jesus approach about using parables in all of these parables. Because in Matthew 13, he tells all these Parables. Now, why does Matthew include that? Well, I think for two reasons. One, he's showing the true intent, which is basically you're, you're planting all the seeds that would not come to fruition and be harvested um, until after he rose from the dead. In other words, he's planting seeds. Uh, these parables are seeds of the kingdom, right? You're not going to understand what they mean until after he rises from the dead. Then you're going to understand 
what these parables mean. So in a sense, he's kind of living out the parable of the the four soils or the sower uh, in, in a kind of a realistic way. But I think the other reason why uh, Matthew includes this is because it, um, he is able then to include for the disciples the explanation. They had left everything and followed him, and because of that, they were given the right to have a deeper understanding. So, I mean, let's dig into this expression. Why don't I read verses 18 through 23, and then you can comment on what Kind of what the explanation really, yeah, yeah, of what's yeah, going on. I mean, Jesus doesn't often explain the parables, but when nope. he does, it's really nice because we get what he actually was talking about, right? Yes. There's no uh, interpretation to be had. Nope. Uh, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not answer, understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no roots, they will last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So let's address the historical context, you know. The vast majority of people, as you said earlier, uh, were involved in agriculture and food preparation. I mean, that was the vast majority of your time investment each and every day. Now, there were a very, very small percentage of people who were wealthy enough uh, to pay other people to gather food uh, and prepare the food for them. But this is extremely rare. Uh, Most royalty, uh, Roman merchants... Uh, people with large land holdings could afford that. But the vast majority of people were Jewish in this region, and they had a small plot of land that was passed on to them as a part of their inheritance, right, depending upon what tribe they were associated with. And they uh, were, were using this small plot to produce food and manage their livestock and they were basically you existed to feed yourself and then if you had extra time you could pursue some of these other things now the main focus of the parable is the good soil right that's the main focus he says this is the point of it only good soil can produce a harvest the other three soils are incapable of producing anything at all. And this tells us what soils don't work. First of all, he says the beaten hard path soil, the stuff people walk on, uh, this soil won't produce the harvest. And Jesus says, this is the equivalent of a person who has the seed of the gospel sown into their heart, but because their heart is so hardened, uh, the seed lays on top and the devil comes and snatches it away. Mm. I think this aptly describes the brokenness of people in the world today. People who are hard or calloused, willing to do harsh things, uh, hurt other people without remorse, 
all come from situations in which they were hardened. They were beat down, maybe by uh, some tragedy or injustice or their family of origin. Maybe they got an addiction when they were a teenager. Maybe there was some evil perpetrated against them. And so what's fascinating is that people who are hard beaten down by life, Mm. usually it it happened to them in an earlier situation, right? Right. And usually the people who were beating them down had been beaten down by life, right? Hurt Mm. people do what? Hurt people. They hurt people. Yeah, you know, evil people become evil because evil was done against them, Yeah. right? So, you know, this is very, very common in today's world. I mean- And it's not a surprise. I mean, you see most movies written this way, right? Yeah. To try to make the the villain more, uh, what's the word I want? relatable they mm-hmm. show some terrible tragedy i mean thanos and marvel yeah. they show this thing that happened to his family and he goes well i'm gonna fix it so right? now i can rationalize yeah. all my and evil so like yeah. yeah so we see that as a, a common story element because people understand this innately yeah so and jesus is referencing that he says look there are people who are hardened right and they'll hear the gospel won't even have a chance to take root because a bird satan is the bird comes and steals it away. Mm. So what does that tell us? That tells us that people are beat down by life and hardened and they're never going to hear uh, or resonate with the, the message of the gospel until they're softened. Okay. Number two is that Satan is actively stealing the seed of the gospel. He's actively opposed to what you're trying to do when you try to sow the seed of the gospel. Right. Okay. The, the second soil he talks about is the soil filled with rocks, the rocky soil. And Jesus describes the soil as a person who hears the gospel. And this is what's interesting. They receive it with joy. Now, this phrase, receives it with joy, is a reference to authenticity. They heard the gospel. They believed it was true, and it brought joy into their life. So they had an authentic interaction Mm -hmm. with the seed of the gospel. However, they developed no roots. Now, notice how specific Jesus is. He says, when they suffer or they are persecuted because of the gospel, they fall away. Right. So it's really interesting is because they develop no root. So you can hear the gospel, right? And you can agree with it, believe it and think, man, I want this in my life. But if you don't develop roots, guess what? Any persecution or suffering that comes along, you immediately cast it out. Right. You know, I, I see this a lot when I talk more in depthly on it on Thursday, but I see this all the time. I have these guys that I meet men who are non-believers and they're married. They treat their wife poorly, right? They don't, you know, they don't really engage with her. Uh, and so finally she gets sick of it and she leaves him, right? And he's like, wait a second, I want to save my marriage. And she's like, well, I asked you, you know, for 20 years to go to church with me so we could grow. And he goes, okay, well, I'll go. And then so he gets really serious about God. You know, he goes, and he goes, oh, this message is awesome. Oh, my life is, oh, wow, this is so cool. This is so awesome. And his wife is like, yeah, but you waited 20 years and I just can't go back. So I'm done. Okay. So then he rejects it as false, right? Because he didn't get what he wanted, right? Well, if I go do this, it'll save my marriage. no. That, so what happened is he suffered a little bit and this happens all the time. People come to Christ and then they suffer a little bit and then they go, yeah, this doesn't work for me. And what's interesting is they fall away. Jesus specifically says they fall away. 
Then the third soil he talks about is this weedy soil. Okay, the final type of soil that won't work in any way, shape, or form is weedy soil. The gospel is heard, it is believed, and it actually takes root. Okay, it starts to grow. However, something happens. Jesus says the weeds, which are the worries about life or the anxiety of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it out. And what it is about the worries of life and what is it about the deceitfulness that easily comes from wealth that chokes it out. These are the four types of lives that people I think are living today. And this is why the gospel is having difficulty growing in America, right? You have people that are deceived by wealth. They think, oh, this is really going to make me happy and I'm going to pursue it. Uh, a lot of people are very anxious about their lives, right? Why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? And I'm going to pursue happy. And, you know, it's really interesting is I was reading a historian and he talked about, um, you know, during World War II, these soldiers would come back, you know, and they had, they'd seen trauma, right? They, they, they had literal trauma because they saw their, their really close friends, you know, blown up and body parts and they were wounded dramatically. They came back, right, mm. with all this trauma in their life. And he says, now compare that to today, right? And you have these uh, teenage and 20-year-old men and females who have a, bra a breakup from a bad relationship, and they call it trauma. I have all this trauma in my life. Right. Why? Because this guy broke up with you? And so he said, our definition of trauma has changed so dramatically and we throw it around, you know, people say, well, I have relationship PTSD. Mm -hmm. And they're like, that starts to sound a little crazy to me a little bit, you know? And so the point is, is that we are increasing the anxieties of life, not decreasing them, even though we're more affluent, more at peace, more wealthy than we were during World War II. Right. You know, then we have uh, people living lives where they want to follow Christ, but they're so shallow, you know? Um, and so as soon as a storm comes through, it just, you know, any suffering or any persecution, right? They fall over. I see this happening all the time in social media. People go, you know, Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. And we're out here to help love people. Da, da, da. And then someone says, well, you guys don't like LGBTQ plus people. And then they're like, oh, and they fold like a cheap deck of cards, right? They just fall apart. And then you have other soil, you know, there's no depth to that. You know, no one will stand up and say, well, you know, maybe encouraging people in this lifestyle isn't good for them. You know, it's not good for them. Show me research that says this lifestyle that people live and enhance on this is actually has better outcomes. You won't find one. Mm. You won't find one. And so it's really fascinating. And then you have the soil where people are so beat down and hurt and broken by life that they're just trying to exact their own, you know, some form of justice of being mean and hurtful towards people, right. Who are, have nothing to do with it. So these are the soils that I think describe the vast majority of people living in America today. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, to, to comment on a couple of things you brought up there, one, this, this everything is a trauma thing. I, yeah. my girlfriend who has a master's degree in psychology yeah. and counseling, she also gets a little 
peeved when people overuse the phrase trauma and misuse it because she's like, I've seen real trauma yeah. and I know what that is. You are not dealing with that. You are not dealing you with real trauma. You are having a bad day. You're having a bad day. <laughs> so yeah. I will, I yeah will they got that. your order at the restaurant wrong is not a trauma. <laughs> yes. So there's, and you're, you're again, you're causing people who have suffered real trauma to not be able to get the help they need because everyone and their dog has had a trauma these yeah. days, uh, <laughs> according to the world. But um, yeah, just discussing these three major points that he brings up. I mean, this this hard path, this hardening where people's hearts, I mean, that's where we get the softening of hearts phrase, right? Is because yeah. you can really see when someone's just not open to accepting anything, whether it's good, bad, the truth, or the best gift in the world. Yeah. They just close down, sh shut down, and will not participate. Yes. And that's... That is a, a form of somebody's life they, that does occur. And it, and I would say at some point, there's a lot of people that go through that, even in the best lives, they yeah. will go through a moment where they are just unable to hear anything, right? Sure. Um, the soil filled with rocks is, you know, that's almost the saddest one because it's like, you see the joy that they have it. You know, there's um, lots of, I think you've discussed this, there's a, there's several pastors that have toured and done these big like youth conventions or gone into the inner city and done these huge uh, reformations and then they come back years later and the circumstances around them yeah. did not allow it to thrive. And so yeah. these kids that were so excited are then turning into the gangsters or, or, or the yeah. violence in that neighborhood that he was attempting to solve. And yeah. it's like, that happens. Yeah. And that's almost so sad because you see the joy. You're like, I did it. We got it. We saved another one. And it's just like, no, yeah, you go back but, 10 years later and there it's all a failure. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, finally the weedy soil, there's just so much stuff to get tangled up on these, on these days, right. Where you can get trapped in it sucks the nutrients and the joy out of your life yeah. and you are pursuing it and it's growing up around you and you go, well, there was a beautiful, a beautiful plant there, but the world got a hold of it and the weeds tangled it up and sucked all the joy and nutrients from it. So yeah. it stayed small or it died. Yeah. And I think that's, what's hard is because, you know, the whole point of, of this basic parable is this, and that is the biblical principle of good soil. So let me ask you a question. The obvious goal for anyone who's living off the land, let's say you're living off the land, is to have a really good crop, right? A high yield crop. Because the yield of your crop determines how hungry you're going to be in the off season, right? You want to be able to have a lot of produce come out of your garden and your field. So today, our, the majority of people who live in America do not pursue high-yield crops. We let the farmers worry about that, right? Right. What do you believe we pursue above all else in our contemporary American society today? Uh, I mean, power would be my guess, power, okay. which could be wealth or influence. I mean... Those are various forms, you know, people chase after being social media influencers or politicians or after money mm -hmm. because they all impart power on them in some way. Because or and, and people think, well, if I have power, then I will be what? Happy. I'll be happy. Because then I can control everything and it'll be the way I want it. So, and so when people, people say like when they make a hard decision, you know, they like somebody who's going through divorce, you know, some, sometimes one of the partners will say, I just need to be what? 
you know, happy. Right. A lot of people are like, well, I lost myself. I'm in this toxic relationship. It was traumatic for me because I lost myself and I don't have any happiness. I have no joy. So what I think our society is pursuing, you know, power, wealth, relationships, sexuality, all these things are a path to self-fulfillment, mm. you know? And we, what we mean when we say, I need to feel self-fulfilled, my authentic person, discover who I am, is all about happiness, right? We use that term. I'm just not happy. And so happiness, our happiness meter tells us whether we're self-fulfilled or not, right? Right. And especially among young people, if I feel good and I'm happy, then that means I'm my real self, but if not. And so let me ask you, uh, let, me, let me do this as a little thought experience. Instead of a high-yield crop that Jesus says, let's use the primary pursuit of our society today, self-fulfillment and happiness. How does the parable of the soils now fit with that goal? Well, I think it's extremely relevant because listen to this. If your goal is to be self-fulfilled or a happy person, right, joyful person, but you've been hardened by life, will you ever hit your goal? No. No. If you're bitter, if you're unforgiving, guess what? Hurt people do what? Hurt people. That's right. So you spend your day trying to exact some type of, of a cosmic justice for what happened to you in a universe that not only doesn't care about you or even that you exist, but you're trying to get it from people who had nothing to do with your calamity, you know, like reparations, this whole notion of reparations for anything, not mm. just previous ethnic, like, uh, uh, what they called chattel slavery, but there's these concept of reparations for everything today, right. you know, something bad happening. I need reparations for it, you know? And so what's amazing about that is that that's this, this, thing is I have to exact justice from people who had nothing to do with what happened. And I may not have even suffered from that situation, but I have to have it. And, and that just goes to show that Jesus says, when the seed of the gospel is dropped on that heart, what happens to it? It just shrivels up and dies. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah. This, Satan steals it because you're more interested in hurting other people, you know, thinking that that'll bring you fulfillment never will happen. You guess what? If you want to be, uh, if you want to achieve self-fulfillment and you want to be happiness, the second soil, you will never achieve that goal. If you're a shallow person, mm. what, what is the one thing that everybody says, regardless of their religious background or anything and say, well, you got to do the work, right? Right. They always telling everybody now, well, you got to do the work. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean? Do the work. What, what work am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> well, when you actually go, it's just, it's just a truncated statement that basically means this. And that is, is that you got to quit being such a shallow person, right? you know, um, years and years ago, this, um, 18 year old young lady came in to speak with me and she was having a really, really difficult time. And so her mother said, why don't you go talk to the pastor? You've talked to everybody else. So she came in and she sat down and she said to me, you know, uh, you know, I broke up with my boyfriend nine months ago and I just can't find any purpose and I don't know what I want to do. And I'm just so de depressed because I don't think, you know, my life really has any value to it. And then, and so I asked her, I said, well, how do you feel about God? And she said, she kind of, well, I don't know. I mean, do you know who God is? Well, my parents are religious. Mm -hmm. And I go, do you care? I mean, and I said this, I said, well, you kind of have to answer the question because that's what brings your life value. And all these other questions happen. And she said, okay, whatever. And then she got up and left. So then later I was talking to her mom and I said, well, how did it turn out for your daughter? And she said, 
Well, she was kind of confused because she didn't know what having a relationship God had to do with what she was going through. Mm. And I just said, I said, I know it's, it's so shallow. People can't even connect the basic dots. Right. You know, it reminds me of a, a video I saw on YouTube, which is hilariously funny, but is totally inappropriate. And that's why I'm extra salty today is that, <laughs> you know, there's this woman who has a nail on her forehead, right? Uh-huh. And she's talking to her husband and he's, she says, you know, I always have these headaches and everything. And he goes, well, that's cause you have, and she goes, stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to fix it. He goes, well, if you just pull the nail out of your head, you wouldn't stop. You're always trying to fix everything. I just need you to listen to me. You know, one of the problems I have is I always snag my sweaters. Every time I put them on over my head, he goes, if you just pull, stop doing that. Just listen to me. <laughs> and, and it's, it's kind of funny. It illustrates how men and women miscommunicate all the time. But the point is, is that everybody, in my opinion, is so shallow today in our world today. They're walking around with nails in their heads or in their feet. And Jesus says, I have, I took the nails. So let me take the nails out of you. And they go, what does that have to do with my happiness? Mm. And it's just like, you will never, ever, ever find joy authenticity or self-fulfillment. If you're a shallow person, Mm. you have to get out of the shallow into the pool. Fluff is not enough. You cannot survive being a functional idiot your entire life when it comes to the most important questions of who you are and why you exist. Was that salty enough? No, I think that was great. Now, the third soil that I think he really talks about is the number one thing that robs self-fulfillment. The number one thing that robs you of joy is what? Anxiety and worry. Mm -hmm. Anxiety and worry will steal it. And most of our anxiety today comes from a deception that wealth can take your anxiety away. Uh, I knew a guy uh, years ago. He lived in Omaha. And what a lot of people don't know about Omaha, you know, that's where Warren Buffett lives with Berkshire Mm -hmm. Hathaway. A lot of people don't know this, but Omaha has old money and a lot of it. Okay. And as a town, it's really a nice town. It's well taken care of. It's super clean because they have a ton, ton, ton of money. Well, he worked for Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is a charitable organization that goes around, helps kids that are underprivileged by hooking them up with a big brother or big sister to do stuff with. And he said he was in charge of fundraising for that entire uh, region in Omaha. And he said, so he would go around to benefits and stuff like that. And he goes, you know, what's really interesting is wealthy people always went to the benefits, right? Because it was kind of like a social status thing. You'd go to the thing and he goes, but then when he would meet with them, he said, I found something so interesting. He said, People who inherited their money, the old money, were the stingiest people I ever met. Mm. He said those people would show up, they'd drink the champagne, they would hobnob with everybody. They wouldn't give a penny to big brothers and big sisters. He goes, then I would go talk to self-made millionaires and self-made billionaires. And he goes, those guys would write massive checks. Mm. And he said, said, what was so interesting about it is they would always say, He asked, why are you so generous? He goes, oh, I'll just go make more money. Now listen to that. That is so critically important. You see, their faith was not in the money they had. Their faith was in their ability to make money. So their faith was in themselves, not in this external objective thing. People who inherited it, their faith was in what? 
the money. And so they were deceived. I have to hold on to it. That's the only way I can stay happy. But guess what? It creates so much anxiety and worry in their life. They're never happy. They're not generous. They're mean and nasty. And a lot of these wealthy people, these, these, you know, we call them Nepo babies now, I guess they're the most messed up mentally insane people you'll ever meet. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of riches. So the final thing is this, is Jesus says, this is good soil. And I have one point to make on this that I think you should consider. And that is one that most people overlook. Jesus bases his determination of good soil on what it actually produces. And in America, we tend to translate that as personal growth. Oh, the seed is planted in me and I have this harvest of fulfillment and stuff like that. But this is not the point of the parable. Mm. It is not the point of the parable. Jesus isn't talking about you achieving self-fulfillment or even achieving the fruits of the spirit in Galatians chapter five. What he's saying is you, the seed of the gospel is planted in you, your good soil, right? It grows. And then what happens? It produces more seeds of the gospel being planted. I, I would ask myself if the only way I can determine whether or not I'm good soil is based on what have I done to further the gospel? Have I ever participated in leading somebody else to Christ? Am I doing anything to help plant the seed of the kingdom of God in the hearts and souls around me? That's the only way I can actually know I'm good soil. Otherwise, I'm just deceiving myself. I think I'm good soil, but I'm really not. Mm. Well, that gives us quite the statement to leave on today, Pastor, and think about before Thursday when I'm sure we'll be diving more into this. We just thank you guys so much for joining us here on our 301st episode. And uh, just like we discussed on the last episode, we got a lot of new and fun, exciting things coming here for the Salty Pastor podcast, and we want you to be part of it the whole way through. Thank you guys so much for joining us today, and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor podcast. Blessings.